Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Go 24-7 podcast live edition here on a Monday night. Typically, this is going to be on Sundays after the game where we talk about what happened, what went right. But uh, my name is Bryce Coon alongside Dylan Sanders. Dylan, it looks like tonight we're going to be talking what went wrong in a game that was just really uh, a tale of two halves. Uh, we're going to kind of go in depth. We're going to answer questions. Make sure to get your comments in here. Uh, also, if you're listening to this after the fact, live every single Sunday night, 6 p.m., kind of recapping Dylan and I co-hosting this. Uh, I don't know what we're going to call it, Dylan. Uh, like, go live? Go live? I go. I don't know what we're going to call it. I mean, it, it'll be fun. But, Dylan, how are you feeling now around we're almost at the 24-hour mark uh, of kickoff last night? How, what is – let's just say, how you feel? I am feeling about, you know – Three times as good as I was last night at about 10 p.m. You know, mm. you know, I'm feeling better. Um, mostly because with with some space, most of the issues are fixable. Um, obviously, not something you want to have happen, but you know, you take a look at the first game and you know, you make adjustments from there. Florida State, better team, uh, point out period. And the LSU just didn't make the adjustments that they preached all off season. And now they, you know, have another shot to like go back to the drawing board, see what works. The one adjustment they did make, everyone hated. And yeah, that's where I, that's where I'm at right now. Fixable is what uh, some of this stuff is. Yeah, fixable. Let's just dive in right here. I mean, there's no reason for us to kind of rehash everything that really happened. I mean, look, we, we know first half. Uh, I want to spend a lot of time talking about the second half, Dylan. The first half for me was a game of it was a time of missed opportunities uh, to me LSU should have never been in the situation that they were in that second half uh, they should have been able to um i don't know they they should have been able to kind of navigate their way wanted to get some of your thoughts on this because the first half for me obviously we talk about the you know the fourth down uh, the fourth and goal um, I don't know about you, Glenn and I were joking in the press box uh, at the game. Was it on your bingo card that Trey Bradford was going to get the first touch as a running back? Like, no, not for me. 
kind of walk me through what how did you feel about the first half and um did you have a sick feeling in your stomach kind of heading in the second half knowing you had left multiple chances to score uh, out there on the field um i felt um yeah i definitely felt like it was like man this game should not be as good but i kind of felt like both teams really had an argument to say hey we should be up by a lot more right now um hmm. florida state had the drops um, Florida State had a lot of really bad penalties, and LSU had the missed red zone opportunities. A lot of people hmm. say, "Hey, you you missed the you you should have kicked the field goals." I'm not I'm not really too worried about it because in the end, six points did not decide this game. Um, but maybe two touchdowns would. You needed to score touchdowns to win this game, and so that's yeah. really why I, I wasn't I wasn't regretting the decision to go for it. You know. Had had one of those touchdowns worked, it would have been okay. You know, you take your chances. The chances didn't work out, and then it was it was a lot of other stuff that ruined mm-hmm. the game in the fourth. I, 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 if anything, I kind of felt like even though it was a three point lead, kind of a clean slate going into the second half because both teams had missed opportunities, had self in, uh, self imposed mistakes that really uh, they had a chance to fix, and one team didn't and the other team went completely in the other opposite direction. And it went fast, too. Uh, that was fast. something that was really, really interesting to kind of watch as well. Real quick note for you, we're live here on YouTube and Twitter. We're going to be starting to go live on Facebook next week. If you're on Twitter, unfortunately, we can't see your comments, so it's a good reason for you to come over to the YouTube channel if you want to comment. Bring your questions, bring your concerns, bring your thoughts. Uh, because, look, Dylan, this – I'll I'll start it with this. You know, we're going to have these shows. This is a little more of kind of the laid back approach, kind of, um, you know, you you sip your coffee, you you kind of take in what happened from the night before. This was my first time covering LSU. You know me, I have zero ties to LSU in the sense of, you know, family members going there. Like we joked about it, like the first time I came here was the first time I'd ever stepped foot inside the state of Louisiana. So there's really no ties. Uh, Obviously, when you look at the second half, I don't think, and me having grown up in SEC country, I don't think I've ever seen an LSU team get physically dominated like they did in this game, um, especially in the second half. Because you started to see, and I want to ask you this, you started to see they them start to impose their will, especially in the run game later on. Like I think LSU's front seven did well against the run game until it was too late and you're gassed, and it's the fourth quarter. I want to take us back to the physical and aggressive nature of Florida State. To me, the Seminoles set the tone, and it was kind of a weird way with the five penalties in the first half. Yes, were they careless. Yes, were they uh, kind of up and down. But here's the thing for me. It showed that Florida State was ready and ready to bring it to LSU. I know it's kind of a weird thing. I want to get your take on that because I don't know know that there's ever a good personal foul penalty, but I think it showed the mindset and what ended up happening in that game was, look, Florida State just took it too. They were attacking for a full 60 minutes. And uh, to me, that's one of the big reasons why they won this football game. Yeah, it's it just seemed like in the second half, one team wanted it more. Um, maybe one team the vibe and honestly it kind of got admitted after the game is that Brian Kelly, Jaden Daniels both 
kind of said, you know, we're not the team we thought we were. That is the the quote mm-hmm. of the press conference. And maybe it, it felt like one team that kind of expected to win and the other team that wanted to win mm-hmm. it, is kind of how the game felt to me at a lot of times. And then once and, and this is not just a football thing, football thing. If you go into something expecting to have a good time and a couple things start to go bad, you really lose focus and lose interest and you get you you get down on yourself. Yeah. And if you really want something, if you're hungry for it and something goes bad, you're like, oh, well, I'm going to keep going. And that's kind of yeah. what it felt like in this game. Florida State wanted it more and they were hungrier and they they felt like they needed to win as opposed to felt like they should win is, is kind yeah. of how I felt. I thought it was interesting. Brian Kelly making the comments of the kind of the expectation, uh, like you mentioned. Um, and, you know, it's already kind of got picked up by, you know, news sources over in Athens about, you know, the comments of the two time national champions. Like I think that LSU kind of walked into this game and they thought that, Hey, we're the big, bad LSU Tigers. We're the big, bad SEC team. Dylan, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, um, I tweeted this out. I threw it on the boards. You got to give credit to Florida State. I never denied. And look, there were some folks out there that just refused, in my opinion, to acknowledge the fact that Florida State is a really good football team, like a very good football team. Veterans everywhere. Um, Guys like Jordan Travis who have kind of paid their dues in the sense they took their lumps as younger players, and now they're poised with a ton of experience. I said this on our instant reaction podcast last night with, with Glenn. It would surprise me with you look at the rest of their schedule, if they can navigate it with maybe, you know, at least just one loss regular season, maybe undefeated. That's a team that was a performance of a playoff team way early in the season. It's way too early to be talking about the playoff. And I'm, I, I agree with that, but I don't know, man, it, to me, it was like that. And then I want to throw this out here. We're going to get into this conversation. You know where I'm going. It's the Jane Daniels conversation. And so I'm going to give my take on this. You didn't lose the game because of Jaden Daniels. You lost the game because you couldn't run the ball with any running backs. I mean, Daniels was 15 carries, 64 yards. Josh Williams, four carries for 44. But Dylan, if you take away the 35-yard run, he's the leading rusher with 11 yards or nine or nine yards at the running back position. Noah Kane, four for four. Trey Bradford, four for one. Um, abysmal. I mean, just a, just abysmal. I, from from I mean, you you can't run the ball. And then I'll even throw this out here with Jaden Daniels in this sense. I mean, I I sit in this camp. The people who don't want Jaden Daniels to be the quarterback at LSU, they've made up their mind. So the arguments that have happened, it's not going to change their mind. Like I don't, I don't even think a win because I've seen it from afar and you we, the way you and I've talked. I don't even think a win on Sunday night would have changed the minds of Jane Daniels. They would still be calling for Garrett Nussmeyer. So, you know, Daniels' st- stats are definitely inflated, you know, with the garbage time touchdown. Um, I understand. I do believe there is a – I will say this. I was surprised kind of in the unwillingness to throw the ball down the field. I think that there is a mental clock, um, you know, issue with Jane Daniels in the sense of – when he starts to feel the pressure, the confidence—I think his confidence really takes a hit in games that we kind of see when things aren't going right, and it's kind of that response to adversity. It's the question that I asked him. So I want to get your thought on the Jaden Daniels sequence. Um, I know how, I kind of know how you feel about it, but just I think it, it, it's a good conversation to have.
because we have to just realize at this point, Daniels is probably who he is, and the people who don't like him and don't want him to be the quarterback are who they are, and they've made their decision. And there's really just no going to ch- – you're not going to change that. Well, the thing is, again, I – I was also really shocked that the ball wasn't really thrown down the field. There weren't a lot of deep shots. And, but you know what the most shocking thing to me is, and I'm going to bring up a couple of stats, shout out to, to pro football focus for, for charting a lot of this stuff. Um, Jaden actually threw more passes of 20 yards, 20 more yards than Jordan Travis did last night. Actually, I think they threw, they threw the same amount. I think they both threw three. Uh, and mm. of course, Jaden's was that, that garbage time touchdown. Um, so that, I mean, at that point, you know, that, that wasn't, again, wasn't what lost them the game. Uh, they talked a lot about, uh, making explosive plays out of, you know, just getting your, getting the ball, your playmakers. And we saw that in the first play of the game to Trey Bradford again, (laughs) still shocking. Um, we saw that in the first play, it looks really, really good. And we were like, Oh, okay. Like, they talked about this. Maybe they won't throw it deep that much, but they're still going to get that explosive play. But whenever you get, uh, whatever you, you know, get balls that are a little bit behind, or even if they're on target, they're dropped. It's hard to get the offense going. It wasn't the deep shots, and you know this is this wasn't Jane's game. It wasn't his best game. It wasn't his worst game, even I would say. Um, he I had think, no help, Dylan. Yeah, I mean that's where I said like he, he didn't you. The idea that a quarterback's going to go out there and do everything, to me, is like just nuts. Because when you have a combined running game, aside from a 35-yard carry that totals, and I'm going to – look, I don't have an LSU education, but I can still do a little bit of math. Nine yards from Josh Williams taking away the 35-yard carry. Four yards for Noah Kane, Trey Bradford with one. Mm-hmm. You want to like, – okay, so yeah. one, one, of, one, of the fa- one of the favorite analytical stats – um, in the country is adjusted completion percentage um, that accounts for, you know, drops, stuff like that. Um, and Jane Daniels, you know, last night, his completion percentage at the end of the game, 59.5%. Adjusted mm. completion percentage is 73. Um, mm. it, that is counting in three drops. Um, three drops. So 12% of his passes were dropped. You can't have one. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You can't have that, and I, we're just – look, once again, just brutally honest. I mean, Kyron Lacey's drop on the slant route over the middle changed the complexion of that football game. Yeah. From a mental standpoint, um, it gave Florida State – and look, Florida State had their fair share of drops, but it happened in the first half. Yeah. I think I think the, the biggest thing for me – and you hit the nail run on the head with kind of the analytical and kind of putting this together. When you bring in the analytics and you bring in – the kind of the human element of the game, you kind of see where they collide. And so you mentioned the 12%. Uh, you also mentioned the fact, look, this is a group that in tough situations, in critical situations, you just had miscues. You had uncharacteristic things that I don't think anyone expected. Um, I, I certainly didn't expect it. Uh, I, I think that's just kind of where I sit with this game, Dylan, is that, I didn't expect like you could have given me 15 outcomes of this game and I would not have this would not be one that I said this is what happens. Like that that's I that's I just wouldn't have said that would would what happens. Um wanted to get to this too. And for the folks saying that Jane Daniels didn't do it, you remember the, what about the third and eleven pass to Mason Taylor to get the first down? Like the idea that the idea that you lost this game because of Jane Daniels. I just don't think we were watching the same game. Like I, that, that's that's what no. I got to say. Uh, I know I saw and, some complaints uh, about the interception too. Like where was Malik Neighbors? He fell down. Now I will say this: I was disappointed in the offensive play calling because that comeback route and the out route they went to it too much. And one of the biggest reasons for that pick was obviously Neighbors slipped, but the defensive backs. And we're going to get to the defense for LSU in a second. The LSU defensive backs. Good lord, um, we're going to get to that in a second. But the defensive backs for Florida State started to sit on those routes. You could tell that's how he was able to get the pick and be right there. I mean, they uh, called the thoughts. they called the play three straight times at the end of the half. <laughs> I mean, it's just the I don't know. I mean, we, we were we were told there is going to be creativity. Um, I didn't see it. And look, I get Florida State's a great team. I get that they've got a guy in Jared Verse that top ten pick, top five pick, maybe. Like, I mean, the kid's unbelievable. But with the weapons, with the talk, I I needed to see more versus more creativity, and I, I just didn't see that in this game. And I think that's what's disappointing offensively. You know, you didn't see the creativity, and if you felt like you were that outmanned in this game, that's mm-hmm. concerning to me as well. Like if that's the reason you couldn't be creative, that's concerning. Kind of your thoughts as we kind of wrap up the offensive talk. Uh, just in it'll we're, we're gonna we're in trust me we're gonna get to this on the defense as well. I, I'm just gonna echo what you say. It was coaching, like a lot of coaching, and you know drops. I think every, I mean it's a little bit of everything, but I'm gonna point to coaching for a lot of that because you know we saw LSU open up. It was a really interesting, uh, really interesting first couple drives. You know maybe some mm-hmm. mistakes with it, but they weren't predictable. And they weren't they were they were a little bit more creative, but as soon as there was a little bit of controversy, they reverted back to the scared team that we saw a lot last year when everything started to go bad. We didn't see the the, the 
it was an opposite of what happened in the Florida State game last year where they started off really slow and then opened it up at the end. And yeah. hard to, it's hard to win whenever you're slowing down towards the end of the game in, a, in, a, in what was a close game at half. Yeah, um, no, I completely so I, agree. I'm, I'm putting this, you know, again, nobody is safe from criticism, but I'm putting this one on the coaches. That's, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, and as we kind of flip over defensively, I mean, Brian Kelly owned it, which in the pro game presser, I mean, saying that it's his responsibility. I do think there's several execution aspects that come with that. Uh, you know, you have to be able to, you know, you got to be able to punch it into the one yard line, you know, especially yeah. if you're going to be a physical football team, which LSU wants to be, if you're going to say that your offensive line is as heralded as it should be. Uh, you know, I think that, I think that is, it's great. I want to get to this comment right here. Uh, War of Roses. Appreciate you tuning in because I think it's, it's one of my last points here about the offense. I, I got my number two pencil here too, Dylan, that I'm ready to, you know, take notes with. Um, Florida State was man on man on the outside in the red zone, and then our receivers couldn't win three straight times. Okay, I'm going to go here because you know I didn't grow up an LSU fan, so I don't have the uh, I don't have the ties here. LSU's had a history of great receivers, like elite receivers. We talked about them. I drafted one of my fantasy team last week. Like it's great. the The receivers to me, they've got to prove something. Like Malik Neighbors is a very good receiver. Mm-hmm. But just because you don the purple and gold, just because you wear the LSU helmet, uh, you can't just – you're not just going to step in automatically. Uh, the receivers have got to learn how to, you know, win some battles. you, you got to be able to win one-on-ones, uh, and that's going to help Jaden Daniels. I mean, once again, Florida State's a really good football team, and I think that we're going to see uh, this group mature. But, look, if we get into a situation where it's Malik Neighbors and Mason Taylor for the whole season – that's a problem. Now, Brian Thomas Jr. had a good game, uh, inflated by the, uh, the the numbers at the end there. But Kyron Lacey, I mean, look, it's too early to talk about jobs to me and positions, but I think by the end of the season, it wouldn't surprise me, Dylan, to kind of see uh, some of the young guys get a chance. Um, and another guy, and, you know, Aaron Anderson. I mean, whew. Dylan, how – I'll ask you this, Dylan. How much did you put your hand – your head in your hands when the muff punt occurred. Um, honestly, I didn't. I just laughed. I, 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 again, you weren't here last year to see it. It happened so often and so frequently where I just I laughed. It was funny to me. Um, yeah. I, and you know, again, that's another thing that we we saw them say that they were going to address in the off season. Hey, we have guys. They want to play special teams. They want to do this. They want to do that. And yet we're having the same exact mistakes a year apart from it happening three times in the game. It happened again against Florida state. And, yeah. and it wasn't just the one muffed punt. We can go into, we're going to go to, let's do the, the obvious thing, offense, special teams, defense. Cause there are a couple things on the special teams I want to talk about right now. There was an almost muffed punt with Greg Clayton. Aaron Anderson needs to learn how to call a fair catch because there were three times no momentum, catching the ball at the five-yard line, and then in trying to run it back. We, you're a playmaker, but just call a fair catch at one point. It's, it's, also, it's also hard on the offense to start on the 14, 17, 18-yard line every drive because the special teams doesn't know how to get the ball to the literal minimum starting spot um, on a kickoff. Yeah. It's, 
it it was it was mind block it was mind boggling to me. There was no block punt. There were no block field goals. No block punts. Cool. We fixed that, I guess. Damian Ramos. You know, we, we were high on him going to the game, but that was about all that went right on special teams. And the guy that everyone blamed last year is not on the staff anymore. So now you really have to be like, what's going on? The guy's not even the guy who was in charge of special teams anymore is an athletic director now, and you're still having the issues of players not being able to fix the smallest parts of what makes special teams work. Yeah. You know, it's it's frustrating. But I did laugh. I had to laugh at that point because I, I yeah. just, my mind is my mind is broken. My mind's melted. You had to laugh so you don't cry. Let's talk defense here. I mean, you mentioned you hit on special teams. Okay, so defensively, I want to start with the positives. Uh, Makai Wingo is a monster. Um, he he looked good. I mean, I think that he did a very nice job from the interior. I'm excited to see what this group looks like when they get Mason Smith back. Because I, I truly do think, like, defensive line-wise, it was a solid performance. Oh, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't get to the quarterback. Um, Braden Swenson, like – that was a that was a that was a bright spot. Swinson looked good. They didn't Mikhail get to Wingo Travis. Still looked, Mikhail Wingo still looked like an All American to me. I, he yes. thought he was an amazing. He had an amazing game. Uh, yes. he was the best pass rusher. Yeah, no, I mean, he, and from the interior, I mean, that just it, it, it could be dangerous. But let's get to the elephant in the room. Um, okay, I, I, I have something. I'll, can I can I start? Can I start here? Yeah. So how about this? You take you take this one, and I'm going to take the secondary. Roll with it. Okay, how do you game plan your best player, one of the best players in college football, out of your defense? Harold Perkins, uh, off-ball linebacker, cool. It was an experiment. It didn't work out. He rushed the passer seven times last, last night. Seven times. And you know what? He got credited with two hurries. He was like second on your team in hurries. In two in seven pass rush attempts, how does that make any sense to you? To you, to you, Bryce? Like, if you have him in coverage, twenty eight snaps, I want to say, and then you yeah. have him rush the passer twenty seven uh, times. He does great whenever he does it, uh, and then it got to a point where you're using him so poorly. Like by the time that they're like, okay, well, he's lining up here, he's gonna rush the passer now, so we can adjust for that. The whole point is if you if you use him correctly, they don't know when he's going to do either because he can do both. He was all right in coverage. And you know what? The one thing people were worried about him, him was with tackling. And he was fine. He was really he was actually a very good tackler last night. He didn't miss any tackles. Uh, he, he stopped people with forward momentum. He looked stronger. Mm-hmm. He looked like he would be a better player. But he was, you know, a non-factor because you game planned him so poorly that even whenever you gave him the chance to rush the passer, he still did it twice, two out of seven times. But those other five times, it was so obvious what you were going to do, they were able to to stop the most dynamic player on your defense. Um, so, again, right back to what we were talking about on offense, this is on the coaching. Matt House, yeah. really, really poor game plan. And then it, then it goes down to whenever you have a really good game plan and then players who can't execute, and I'll let you. We can go to what you're. We're gonna talk. We're gonna. We can go to what you're talking because I think overall the front seven played fine. Omar Spates looked good. Where was Greg Penn? What was? Yeah. What were you doing with Harold Perkins? Whenever you, yeah. have, whenever you have Omar Spates and Greg Penn 
playing on third, uh, playing your middle linebackers. You don't need another one. They're fine. That they'd be one of the best linebacker duos in the country because Omar Spates is really, really good. Greg Penn has always been serviceable. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you need Harold Perkins to play this off ball spot. Also, so I'm going to add something to that, and we're going to I'm going to talk about what I'm going to yeah. talk about. But the the Perkins thing, like. We're sitting in the press box and we start to like, you kind of start to like pick up on it. I'm sure, look, if you're watching, you know, fans at home, you started to kind of pick up on it like as any person would. I mean, this is this is one of the guys that in college football, not just on the LSU roster, that you're sitting there saying, we want to find him. Like, where is he? Where is number four on the field? And I, we were just mesmerized. I think one of the things that concerns me and I'm disappointed by is the fact that they, you felt it was a good time to experiment in a top 10 matchup. Like that for me, that, that raises the eyebrows because experimenting in this game, and I'll even say this, why would you, and, and you said it, why would you experiment? Like why would you take away something work? I understand that he's trying to learn the position. And you know what? It's not going to matter this weekend against Grambling because – you know, God forbid you, that you start sluggish in that game. But like, he's going to wreak havoc in that game, and everything's going to be fine. And then they'll roll into Mississippi State, and they'll say, "Well, he had a good week here." Well, the difference in competition. When you're playing a team the caliber of Florida State, you have to put your best foot forward. And I'll just say this: I don't think they did. You mentioned it. I don't think that this this uh, the game the management of Harold Perkins was putting the best foot forward to try and win this football game. That's just my opinion. Not a coach. That's just kind of what I saw. Let me talk about the secondary here. Um, Once again, Dylan, uh, bamboozled. Uh, Just, you know, just uh, lied to. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, run amok. This is run amok. What what in the world? Um, Let's start with this. Keon Coleman is one of the biggest human beings that I have ever seen in my life, and he's a receiver. He walked into the post-game press conference. I'm like, that guy, that that's a defensive end. That's an outside linebacker. Like, that's not a wide receiver. And I want to give them credit. Look, Florida State had a great game plan. You mentioned it. They made second-half adjustments to a T and then came out and executed. The only reason that this offense stopped scoring was because the clock hit zero. It's a tough thing to hear. That's exactly what happened. The only reason the clock hit zero on this game, uh, uh, only reason they didn't score is because the clock hit zero. That being said, you're probably not going to face a wide receiving core like Florida State again, but I do think that we saw the concerns. We saw, and look, I, I was, I raised the, I raised the flag, and I know that we kind of had, you know, obviously some back and forth and some conversations on this, but it's a problem. Uh, Deuce Chestnut, you know, didn't look good uh, against Keon Coleman. But I think you're going to have two schools of thought on this. And I want to know yours, Dylan. You know, Major Burns gets mossed. I don't know what else Major Burns really could have done. And, and Brian Kelly said that. Like, these guys were just making plays. Now, I think you could compare and say, look, LSU's got to find some receivers that can go make plays, and we can have that conversation all day long. Secondary-wise, this is the hand you're dealt this season. You're going to have to figure it out. Zy Alexander, um, you know, he didn't look terrible, but, I, I, you know, <laughs> is it asking too much of a guy to be truly a number one corner on a team, you know, that he was at the FCS level last year? Uh, Deuce Chestnut, 
look, I covered the ACC for four years. There is a noticeable talent gap outside of a Florida State between uh, that and you know what's happened there. So, how, you know, also look, he he's we heard all camp and we saw it. He's kind of a dog guy. Like he's a, he's a guy that's going to get up and be physical with you. When a guy's six foot seven, two hundred thirty pounds, you're not out physically. Him like that's just not happening. Uh, secondary wise, Major Burns, Andre Sam, I, you know. I, I talked about in fall camp, I like the closing speed of Andre Sam. This is where it sits for me. It's different when you play a game. And when you play a team that has elite skill talent like they do and a quarterback that – and I'll you know, I'll, I'll put the soap in my mouth. I'll put, them, I'll put my foot in my mouth. I didn't know if Jordan Travis could be elite. He, he's, not, he's more in the game manager. Like this guy was delivering ball, letting his weapons work. Uh, they had a great game plan. Johnny Wilson, another guy that really just tore up this secondary. Dylan, I, I don't know, man. I know we're kind of getting to the end of this show, but look, I mean, the secondary, you got to figure that out because I'm not a doomsday person. I'm not going to sit here and say you can't accomplish what you want to accomplish. You're really not going to figure out a lot this weekend, um, you know, just because of the opponent. What you will figure out is when you go play Mississippi State. 11 a.m. kickoff in Starkville against a guy in Will Rogers that's got good experience at the quarterback position. I know they're not truly running the air raid anymore, but he's still a solid – he's a good quarterback. And, you know, you're going to be tested in that. And I think that this secondary, at some point, it's got to become personal. Like, I know they probably don't watch the show or listen to this, but it's got to become personal when the talking heads say, hey, I don't think that you have the talent there. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that you can do that. So whether it's a scheme thing, whether it's a personnel thing, that's something they, they've got to kind of fix going forward. But what are your what were your thoughts and your takeaways from the secondary in this game? Uh, this is the best secondary that they're going to face all year. I mean, uh, this is the this is the best wide receiver group the secondary is going to oh. face all year. And possibly, and I mean, if not the most talent, by far the biggest mismatch uh, that they're going to face all year. These are two really really good really really good players. Um, Johnny Wilson, you know, drops aside had a really good game, and of course Keon Coleman. Looked like a revelation. Looked like the best player in in college football. I mean, we're talking about uh, we're talking about these two wide receivers making the plays that LSU needed their uh, receivers to make. Their receivers to make because Jordan Travis did not have the best game of all time. He 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 made mistakes. He made poor decisions. He made missed throws. There were miscommunications. Uh, we saw a lot of the same stuff that Jaden Daniels had issues with. Jordan Travis made issues with but the thing was Jordan Travis's weapons played through it that Jordan Travis's weapons helped him out whenever there was a little bit of a mistake minus the drops there were still some some bad drops there um but yeah Keon Coleman just looked like one of the best wide receivers we've ever seen but overall yeah this was (laughs) this was a bad performance by the secondary it's kind of what the worst case everyone hoped for um, mm-hmm. there were a couple good plays where they're like, okay, they, they know that they're mismatched with height. You know, you had the hands reaching up, breaking up passes. There were a couple of really nice, nice breakups in there. Uh, there was a nice, uh, interception by Deuce Chestnut, but they just looked really, really poor. Um, yeah. I think that's the, that's the way to say it. That's the only way you can say it. And it was a bad game made worse by some amazing catches. Uh, whenever, even whenever there was good. Uh, good coverage, a better re- a better receiver. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's kind of looking like the mistakes that we that we saw. Um, but again, this is the worst. This is the, the worst it should look in terms of 
yeah i mean like talent. i'm not on the i mean dylan i know you know i predicted lsu to win this game um in our predictions last weekend uh, or last week but you know if you go back to my I season mean, you, you had I the biggest score gap, too. so i did i did i don't know what i was thinking i was drinking the kool-aid um but I did predict in our season predictions, 10-2, and two, losses to Florida State and Alabama. Is that still attainable? Uh, yeah, heck yes. Uh, this team also lost. But the way that they lost is concerning. And I, I do agree with Kelly. I need, I need to see, for me to feel confident in this team, um, I, I need to see what, how they come out against Grambling because that's a game where you need to exercise some demons. You know, you, you need to come out and you need to absolutely blow them out of the water. It should never be close. And then this, Mississippi this State. Is a game where in the, you know, this is the game where realistically in the past LSU might win 36 to 38 to 7. I, I'm talking LSU needs to put up like 50. Like, and sorry, Grambling. Sorry. Yeah. yeah enjoy the LSU, check. L, yeah. LSU is going to have to to really, you know, make it look like Oklahoma versus uh, Arkansas State out there. Like, this is going to be a game where, you know, make the starters play longer than you might have. Make hmm. the make Jaden Daniels play. Make Malik Neighbors play. Make your guys play longer than you may than you maybe would have. Make let them exercise some demons. Maybe let them, uh, maybe let them just figure it out in live in live yeah. time. Get it get yeah. it working. That's all. That's all we we can really say. Make it look good. Have a good game. Play a long time and run up the score maybe you know work it out in your head yeah well i'm with you there i'm with you there uh lsu drops the contest 45 24 really wasn't that close either a three-score game how it came down to it uh as the tigers drop one in orlando but listen uh next week's a new week we're going to talk with coach kelly this week and i think dive into some of these questions they announced it's a big reason we got a great deal happening 50 percent off our go 24 7 it expires tonight so you need to make sure you take advantage of that uh, get on board, join the message boards because it's an uh, interesting conversation happening, interesting stuff going on as we get closer and closer to week two. We're fully in the swing of college football. Hey, and help us out. If you're watching this after the fact or you're listening, uh, let us know in the comments below or you know on social media. What should we call this? I go 24-7. What should, what should we call this little podcast? We'll be live every single Sunday night, though, after, uh, after games, uh, kind of really just uh, – you know, t- taking a step back and, you know, really reviewing w- what happened on that Saturday. But for Dylan Sanders, my name is Bryce Coombe. We appreciate you. Make sure to like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, keep those numbers climbing. And if you're listening on podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get it, make sure you give us a follow there as well. We'll keep you in tune for next time. Set up those notifications so you know when we go live. We'll catch you next time here on the Go 24-7 podcast. Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? This is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.